Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It just says 97% of Canada's 5.5 million households have radios. That's all. No editorial comment. That's it. 97.5% of all Canada's households have radios. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> or, for example, another one. That you, these are the little things that you find at the bottom of... you got to keep your you got to keep your head cool. Give me some uh, cool head music, please. i got to... Cool my head, just quiet, just quiet, Joe. There it is. There's the things bubbling, popping, hiss, and steam in the back here, in the back of the deep innermost you, which ex- exists somewhere in that vast cellar of the of the ego and the self down there, with all the growing mushrooms of fear and the growing the growing fungi of time. Down there, there's that creeping, lurking thing. Oh my God, I gotta keep my head cool. A would-be cat burglar was uh, climbing up a wall in London. He was hanging on the side of a drain pipe when all of a sudden he got scared. He couldn't go up and he couldn't go down. He just hung there. And finally the fire engines arrived. And he kept hollering, I can't get back down. And they dragged him down, embarrassed. Oh, God, where will it ever end? 
six of one, half a dozen of the other. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden this news item comes out right in the paper. The carnation, a favorite flower in Normandy, grows in crevices on the castle wall of Falaise, where William the Conqueror was born. The Normans carried the Conqueror's carnation to Britain, and the Huguenots, in flight from persecution, took its seeds to the American colonies. I said, yeah, yeah, say it again, lay it on me again. About all them carnations and William the Conqueror and the Huguenots. It's all in the paper, Jesus. What is it? Come on, bring it up big, big, big joke. I'm cool my head off. Hold it, hold it, hold it there. Hold it there, hold it there. See, it's all part of, uh, of the problems we have to face <laughs> with, with our... Have you, ever, you know, really, have you ever really seriously looked at your head, you know, and all that stuff, millions of things popping and hissing in your brain all the time. You walk down the street, you know. Uh, I, I just wonder how much of the day your head is, is totally operating completely on its own. Just completely on its own. I mean, it, by that I mean with no conscious will of your own, you know, over it. You're walking along, you know, on 6th Avenue. It's a kind of warm, you know, kind of spring day. And your head is just working, 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 working. And <laughs> and I'd say out of the average 24-hour day or maybe 8-hour day, how, how long uh, does the average guy up? Maybe 14, 15 hours a day he's actually up, you know. Well, you know, you put in eight hours of sleep, you take eight from 24, what do you got left, right? 16? All right, the average person is uh, up and around maybe 16 hours a day. Out of the 16 hours, how much of the day is your mind actually directed? When you're actually, you know, consciously thinking about something. That's a good question, you know. <laughs> the rest of the day, you're like, you know, you're like an ape. You're walking around, and your mind is just, you know, cooking away there. You never thought of it that way, did you, Joe? Your mind is just cooking away. <laughs> and that's why I'm sitting there, see, in the subway, and I'm looking at this paper, and I said, what, you know, what is this with the, with the carnations? And, and I find myself seriously reading it, you know. The, William the Conqueror grew carnations, and I'm sitting in the middle of the subway, and I see the stops going by, and the people going in and out, and I'm reading about the Huguenots and we and I said, well, it's a stop at Shepherd. And then the next thing I know that my my mind goes, you know, it skips about fifteen gigantic news items, which of course it's almost impossible for us to comprehend anyway. And down at the bottom there's this thing that says two youths rushed into a restaurant in Kansas City and said, This is a stick up. They hurriedly grabbed the paper sack standing next to the cash register and ran out like mad. The sack contained three stale donuts. <laughs> I said, oh, no, no, no. Stop it, Joe. Cool my head off again, Joe. Lay some of that stuff. Quick, i got to cool my head. Quick, quick. Please, bring it on there. The car's blowing up. Cat burglars, cat burglars getting caught on the side of the drain pipes in London. Guys, you know, making a quick getaway with a bag of three stale donuts. It's the word stale that makes it even sadder, you know. <laughs> stale donuts. At the, you know, I'm, I'm, my mind is going around and picking out these things. Fort Huron, Michigan, and it's all in the same paper. St. Clair County Sheriff's deputy said the breaking and entering case sounded like it came right out of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Lahalek of Greenwood Township said their home was broken into while they were at work. The culprits took macaroni and cheese from the refrigerator, cooked it, ate it, drank some milk, munched an apple for dessert, and then took a nap in the front bedroom and then left. <laughs> oh, man. Stop, stop. Hold it there. Hold it there. Hold it there. Now, see, the, 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 the ability to explain everything is part and parcel of the oracular concept of life today, you know? 
that oracles, have you noticed oracles have popped up everywhere in our time? Now, you know what is it an oracle? You know, somebody who tells you what the future is going to be like, you know, tells you great, uh, uh, tells your fortune. Oh, the oracle has ha is having a day as almost as good as the day of the uh, of the Greeks. I mean, uh, <laughs> the oracle of Delphi. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, on, on every corner there's a Gene Dixon. And uh, sure, you know, they can tell the future and they tell you what's going to happen. And are you aware that one of the biggest spreading new classes in colleges these days is what they call futuristics? Futuristics, in other words, predicting the future. Where you can take, and they never really call it that. See, they don't, they don't call it oracular. You know, Oracle 1 and 2, Delphi 3 and 4, anything like that. See, they call it the projection of the current trends in the physical and social sciences into the, uh, the computerable future, which means, <laughs> you know, nobody wants to admit he's sitting around telling what the future is going to be like. See, and there's no way to really predict the future at any point. And I, I, uh, yet, yet people continually want to know. You know, everybody wants to know the future. They really do, you know. It's, 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 a, it's, a real, it's a real basic human urge all the way back from the days, you know, when, when, the, when the earliest of the medicine men squatted outside the caves hunched down there, see, and they wore, they wore a mask with horns on the top, and they wore one of those furry, fuzzy coats, you know, and they, they, they burned the bat's wings. They said, oh, no, 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 and people came for thousands of miles to hear what he had to say, and they squatted down, and they paid him plenty of dough, too, by the way, while they were at it, the oracle is always a big money maker. He is always popular. <laughs> because very few people can remember what the oracle actually said. So when you arrive at the time when uh, he was predicting, and it doesn't turn out to be that way. You don't remember that. You're buying the next oracle by that time. You don't even remember what the last oracle said, you know. So uh, like, like the other day, I'm, I'm throwing out a whole bunch of junk out of the bottom of my desk, see, People send me all this wild stuff. I don't know why. There's a terrible urge to send stuff to people. And everybody in, in, with any kind of a show, like a, you know Johnny Carson, anybody else in, in any kind of public media, for some reason or other, there's a constant fallout that comes in the mail, usually wrapped in great big uh, furry-looking wrappings with uh, strings and tags all over. People send stuff. The people who are on the air. I guess it's a it's a it's a way of trying to make some kind of physical contact with them. You know, they really do. At least if he won't contact me, I'll contact him. And so ultimately, it's it's one of the things that everybody in this business gets used to. Whether you're an actor, whether you're a performer, whatever. I'm sure that Walter Cronkite gets cookies from people. Hey, Mr. Cronkite, you're looking a little peaked, and I thought you'd like some of my brownies. And the, <laughs> yeah, there he is. He's not at the you know Four Seasons, and he's got a package of brownies. Some lady in North Dakota sent. So, uh, nevertheless, yes, I'm telling the truth. I'm not kidding. I'm telling you the absolute truth. So it's an attempt constantly to contact the oracle, <laughs> and and it's it's just a continuing running thing in human human existence. And and whatever is the god at the time. 
Now, gods take different forms at different times of history. Uh, so a god might have been uh, at one time this big carved thing made out of wood. See, the, you know, the, the eternal mule, whatever you wanted to call it. It's a giant thing, had big wooden ears, you know, big glaring eyes. You've seen these things, you know, like totem poles standing there. Well, what did the natives do? Well, the natives crawled on hands and knees and left a small burnt offering to it, right? They crawled up there, they left a little piece of cake. Maybe they left a little spare ribs in front of it, they see, hoping that the god would somehow take... Take, uh, take notice of them and uh, show mercy upon them. See, when he's hurling a few lightning bolts out around, he ain't going to hurl one in the direction of the lady that brought the brownies. So, uh, <laughs> you know, this is an old thing. So in our day and age, the, uh, the gods, of course, are almost exclusively uh, in the popular media. So uh, actors, I mean, I'm sure that, 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 that the Paul Newman, who's, you know, one of the contemporary gods of, of the now, see, I'm sure that he continually gets cookies in the mail. And, and the, <laughs> little, yeah, you know, people want to contact him. See, they will say, show mercy upon me, though, wow, you know, show that you do, you do recognize my existence out here in East Overshoot, Ohio. Show me, you know. And so uh, they constantly send these little things. Well, well you, get, you get fantastic things in the mail. have no relationship to what you're doing. So don't think for any minute that the that the God gets only things that relate to his godlike activities. So, uh, uh, oh, oh yes, I mean if uh, uh, if you're a Charlton Heston, you don't get things like a new makeup kit. Uh, <laughs> they don't send you a, a new eyebrow thing or a new uh, liner for for when you're doing your next big scene, you know, playing Moses or something like that. No, no, no. They'll send them. <laughs> you'll get the you know totally inexplicable things mailed to them, which have nothing to do with it, except that somehow they're trying to relate to them. So uh, every once in a while, all this stuff that I've got, it, it, it accumulates strange, mysterious things. You'll agree, Jerry. I just get these things. No, no question. Like I'll get a great big sack, for example, I, and I, you don't know what to do with these things. Like I got a great big sack, uh, enormous package, must have weighed 40 pounds. Somebody sent me all the clippings pertaining to the career of an obscure actress of around the turn of the century including programs and all this stuff. <laughs> what in the world I would want with this? I have no idea, but it just arrived in the mail. A great big fat thing with tags all over it and stamps and all kinds of stuff and the yellowed clippings. Well, what do you do with that? See, I don't know what you do. You just, it just arrives. And there's a little note that says, we thought you'd like this. I thought I'd like it. You know, so here it is, giant thing. So then a couple of days go by and the next thing, Another big package arrives, comes into the mailroom, they bring it in, big thing and all, everybody has to open up. For some curious reason, there's an entire collection of, of yellowed newspapers of roughly the year, wouldn't you say about the year 1932 or something like that, Jerry? No relationship to anything, just a whole stack of old newspapers. You know, the kind of stuff that you find down in the basement next to the coal bin. <laughs> and it just arrives all packed up and set away. And so... This is a, this is a curious fallout of the, of the of the electronic world of today. It really it really is. Uh, it's a curious byproduct. Uh, speaking by this is the WOR New York. And while you're at it, would you please uh, give us a little of that tinkly uh, Portuguese music, Joe? Please. Hey friends, how would you like to take a fantastic two week vacation that feels just as you know just blows you out of your bird? Well, TAP, the Intercontinental Airline of Portugal, has a 
a dilly for you, friend. Their two-week royal treatment tour of Lisbon, London, Paris, and Madrid. This is a whole two-week trip. Uh, $457, including round-trip economy airfare. And this, this is a, this, and by the way, you're not with any kind of a, uh, a group. You're not led around with tags all over you. You're all completely on your own, you know. And you stay, this includes the places to stay. It includes food and a whole bit, man. $457, two weeks, Lisbon, London, Paris, and Madrid. And that includes airfare, economy travel. Two weeks, man, that make it seem like, uh, you know, Call your travel agent or TAP at 421-8500 for complete details. And the TAP doesn't mind if you go to other foreign countries like England, France, and Spain. In fact, they'd love to take you there. And uh, once you see Portugal, you wonder why you bothered, though, friends. That's uh, the number again is 421-8500. You call TAP and they'll give you the whole dose. Thank you, thank you, Joe. That's uh, real good there. That's real good. And while we're on the subject of uh, Portugal, we'd like to lay a little Portuguese wine on you. It's uh, rosé, of course. That's the that's the national wine of of uh, Portugal. You, everywhere you go, you find people drinking rosé in Portugal. Rosé is a you know what rosé wine? It's a very light, vaguely pink, light wine. It's it's uh, sort of halfway in between red wine and white wine, and it's lightly, very lightly sparkling. Very tiny bubbles in it beautiful wine, and this particular wine is one of the best made in Portugal. In fact, it's it's only produced in vintage years, this wine, and it's aged until the flavor is just right, and it's the only uh, table wine, the only Portuguese table wine ever to win a gold medal at the International Contest in Budapest. It's a big thing in the wine world. And the wine is Costa do Sol. Costa do Sol. It's C-O-S-T-A, Costa do D-O, Sol, S-O-L. And it's a beautiful wine. You'll find it at your at your wine store. And incidentally, Costa do Sol Vintage Rosé is imported by the Allens of M.S. Walker, Inc., Boston, Mass. Give it a try. It's good wine. Well, let's see. We have Zip Kit with us tonight. And uh, what this really boils down to is this. that It's a kit if you have any skin problems. Uh, it's a kit. comes with three proven medicines. It's produced by Dermacon. And the three medicines are Dermacon Skin Cleanser, which uh, you do just exactly what it says with it, uh, clean your skin, so on. They have a Dermacon Medicated Lotion. It's a, it's a complete system, you see. You use all three of these things in rotation. You use the Dermacon Medicated Lotion during the day. Uh, it helps soften your skin and so on. And then you use the Dermacon Medicated Cream at night. Put that on at night when you're going to bed to help heal and soothe while you sleep. And the Zip Kit contains no harsh peeling agents. It's gentle, round-the-clock care. So give it a try. Uh, they say uh, for, you can give it a try for 30 days, and it costs less than 25 cents a day to try it. It's a Zip Kit, Z-Z-Z-I-T-K-I-T, Zip Kit by Dermacon. And you can buy the Dermacon Zip Kit at Genovese, Whalen, Mac, Drug Guild, and other leading pharmacies. That's the Dermacon Zip Kit. It's General Tire's original equipment tire sale on the glass-belted Jumbo 780. Oh, bring it up big, 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 big. Oh, blop. If you want a compact, intermediate, or standard-sized car, you can get this long-mileage glass-belted tire for only $25.50 plus tax. And uh, all kinds of sizes and a distinctive white wall tire is only $3 more. 
So mount your glass belted jumbo 780 tires today to sail in Saturday, May 13th at the home of the big red General Tire G, your one-stop car care headquarters. Now, you know, that, 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 uh, that is a fascinating uh, feel. I never, I don't think, recall ever talking about this, but it is true. Did anybody in the, in the, in the public performing or public, uh, in any way, shape, or form, in the public eye, that any politicians, politicians are getting this stuff all the time. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the big problems in, in the national politics, now, it's not a big problem. It's one of the little subsidiary problems of being, say, president, is that every 15 minutes, something arrives by, you know, in a gigantic wooden crate. Uh, somebody sends the president a 6,000-pound uh, cheese in the form of a turkey, uh, hand-painted by the ladies of uh, Ipsawaka, Wisconsin. And, <laughs> and what do you do with it? There it arrives, eh? So that they have a whole department. Did you know they have a whole department in the White House that does nothing but handle that kind of stuff and writes the letters pertaining to it and make sure that nobody's feelings are hurt and all that stuff. But this stuff arrives by the, by the truckload sometimes. And it, it particularly is when there's a new president. See, for, for a while, everybody's, uh, whenever there's a new president, everybody's excited, you know, about the new president and all that. And uh, then, then all this stuff starts coming in. And then it starts to peter off. It, it, it kind of dribbles off for a while. And then uh, when, uh, for un, some unexplained reason, this goes through waves. It's a cyclic thing. And then suddenly, without any warning, all of it starts coming again. <laughs> and then, then it'll drop off. And then, pow! And, and of course, it's widespread. It, 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 uh, it covers a great geographical area. Now, uh, actors are continually getting this kind of stuff. It's kind of curious. Uh, and people... people I don't know, they have strange ideas about things. Like, uh, for example, the other day, without any warning, I received in the mail a, uh, uh, a bottle of, uh, this curious, all ripped up, took a lot of work to do this, you see, a, <laughs> a bottle of, of salad dressing. And uh, it was a nice note. I said, dear Mr. Shepard, I thought that you would enjoy this salad dressing because we had some of it the other day, and, and the, it was so nice, and we just enjoyed it. So we thought we'd... And it's, now, if it was an unusual salad dressing, but it's the kind of salad dressing that you get at any A&P. You know, just one of these salad dressings. You know, you've seen it in millions of bottles. And, and, and I... I I can't understand what what <laughs> what the reasoning. It's uh, and I and I and I'm curious whether or not people think. Uh, of course, then you get into some deep waters, so I won't even go into that. But but the reason I was throwing out all this stuff is it it begins to you know it begins to gather in great piles in everybody's offices. You don't know what to do with it. See, so the other day I was cleaning out a lot of that stuff, and I came across somebody had sent me a lot of old magazines. Now, I don't know why this they do this, but they do. Rather than throw them out, they just send them to you. Well, it's your problem, then. <laughs> so, so there's a whole stack of old, crummy old magazines. In the middle of it all is an old, is an old magazine, uh, Popular Mechanics. It's an old Popular Mechanics magazine. And, and uh, I'm throwing all this stuff out. And, and here, one of the, one of the uh, issues of the Popular Mechanics magazine... Is a, is a popular mechanics that reads uh, 25 years from now. And the Popular Mechanics magazine was printed in 1950. 
It was a 1950 magazine. Say, well, that's almost 25 years ago. That's, let's see, this is 72. That's 20, 23 years ago, right? 1950. All right. So, so I'll give or take a couple of years. So it's, it's, a, it's a 1950 magazine. It says 25, a prediction of what the world would be like 25 years from now in 1975. It says, and you should see the world. Oh, it's fantastic. I just took this thing up. Oh, man, popular. It predicted the world would be all connected by monorails, and people would press a button, and their meals would come out of their houses uh, automatically. You press a button, and uh, you can shop by pressing buttons. Uh, everything is buttons. They, they, you know, they got all hung on technology. And, and of course, technology was going to solve all the problems of the world. It, uh, it said by 1975, poverty will not exist except in very small parts of the world and all that stuff. So, you know, I thought, I thought, you know, that guy, the guy who overwrote that is probably still prognosticating briskly. But nobody bothers to, you know, to read what he said in the days of what he was making his name as a prognosticator. So, so I throw this stuff on. I'm throwing all this junk out. And I'm, I'm you know, up to my neck in this. And uh, so I, I came across a thing, you know, and I, and, and I, I was about to throw it out. And I thought, you know, that's so true. Uh, and what was it? It was, it was a, it was a bag full of buttons. Somebody had had collected millions of buttons. You know, you remember the button craze of about two, two years ago, three years ago. Millions of buttons. Everybody had buttons on them. That all kinds of, uh, you know, snappy, uh, <laughs> snappy sayings and jazzy patter and stuff. You remember the button thing, see? And so I, I think, gee, you know, this, this guy collecting all these buttons, and I, what am I going to do with all these buttons? I had a whole, you know, gunny sack full of buttons, some guy had said to me. And, and, and it hit me, it hit to me how these things go through our time. You know, the, our lives just keep going on and on, and, and, and there's always a continuing, revolving big thing of that period which is rarely recognized as a fad, and yet when it's over, it seems like it's it's a, it's a madness that you couldn't understand why it would even happen. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember the Nehru suits? Do you remember in in practically every store? Just it just seems like about ten minutes ago, in every store, uh, men's store, for example, they were selling these chains with these great big gigantic uh, gold. Uh, uh, well, they looked like uh, plaques. Guys were hanging around in there. You remember that scene? Well, uh, where, where are all these things now, you know? <laughs> you know, there must be millions of those down in basements and stuff. But now, one of the most inexplicable ones of our time, or at least one of the most curious things of our time, it's going to be difficult to explain it. You know, it, when they start digging in the in the rubble of our time, say, you know, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, they're going to say, what the hell is this all about? This guy writes me a letter. Listen to this. And he, he, he touches on this. He says, Shepard, once again, I'm writing to you from the wilds of Wilmington, Delaware. And once again, from my freshman philosophy class. Philosophy teaching is the biggest racket in the world. I'm quoting this kid. <laughs> It gives, it gives empty-headed people a chance to expound on nothing at a very great length. And when you try to pin them down with a question, they dodge it by saying, uh, well, uh, what do you think? Or, the next line is, uh, there really isn't an answer to that question. Or my teacher's favorite, a long, blank silence, followed by, uh, oh, are you asking me? He says, how can you win, Shepard? Well, of course, that's the problem with philosophy. Uh, if anybody, <laughs> if you really have any sense about philosophy, you know the philosophy is just... It never really answers anything. No way. 
philosophy is a, is, a, is, a, is a constant probing into what life is all about. Nobody's really figured it out. And I'm afraid that if they ever finally did, no one would ever believe it. You wouldn't want to accept it. Uh, I mean, how can you... You know, <laughs> you know this is the thing that bugs man. You know, I think one of the things that sets man apart from the mushrooms and from the, from the mice is that man is conscious of life itself. And he can't figure out why it happened. He can't figure out what it's about. Why do we, you know, why do we even have this? You know, well, this is this whole thing. We just we do all this stuff for you know fifty, seventy-five years, and all of a sudden we disappear. It's gone. What's the, what's the reason for it? Well, of course, it never occurs to let's say to to the uh, to the uh, to the moose or the elk to say, what is it? I'm walking around here and I'm eating all these weeds. No, all of a sudden I die. <laughs> Well, anyway, this kid goes on to say, he says, he says, I guess the letter could be called a sort of gripe or a plea or f a plea for the sanity or insanity of the nation. He says, I'm sure that in your travels, listen, who could miss this? Lately, he says, you've run across this idiotic thing. Have you been getting on the point of being driven crazy by these damned, quote, happy faces? He says, just in case you've somehow missed it, this is it. You know that round, yellow face with the, with the, with the grin? The two little eyes. He says, I first noticed it about a year ago. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because I think this should go down on record. <laughs> I think that, that the, you know, that, that 50 years from now, that somebody may be playing a tape of this show, and at least I will have been one of the people to record this passing phenomena. Uh, he says, I first noticed it about a year ago. A few people were walking around school with these little lapel pins bearing that image. Well, he said at first that wasn't too hard to take. But over the summer, it began to appear on TV and in the papers as the symbol of a local car dealer. From there, the whole thing suddenly totally mushroomed. Stationery, sweatshirts, T-shirts, stickers, patches, pocketbooks, pillows, jewelry, umbrellas, all began wearing the image of that leering little idiotic face. He said, so help me, I even found a bag of cookies with these little smiling faces all over them. He says it's enough to turn the stomach. The fad seems to have had to have, at this point, its greatest popularity with the elementary school and junior high group. Each kid has in his possession at least one, or in many cases, thousands of happy faces. He said, I've been trying to ignore the whole thing, but the final blow was struck yesterday. I was driving up I-95, heading north towards Wilmington. He says, I came around a bend. And just as the full squalor of the city was coming into view, my sight was arrested by a gigantic billboard. I could not believe it. The only thing on it was, well, you can guess. It says, is there no escape? I had a nightmare that one morning everyone woke up and discovered that the sun was really just one huge happy face, smiling. It says, what really bugs hell out of me, though, is the thought that one guy somewhere is obviously making a fortune out of a circle with two dots and a dash. What a laugh he must be having. <laughs> he says, well, Shepard, class is about over. In closing, I will share with you the latest description of Philadelphia sport fans. He says, you know, the, the Philly season opened not too long ago. He says, and not only did they start, he says, just about the time they started, they had a no-hitter pitched at him by a rookie. He says, so the season is starting uh, normally. So at least they didn't lose when they were on strike. And he says, here's the, here's the here's description, the new description of the Philadelphia sports fan. Philadelphia is the only city where they boo the losers of an Easter egg hunt. 
Okay. <laughs> there's, there's a member of a philosophy class who's getting a little philosophy out of, out of life. But, the, you know, this, this little leering face. Now, that is an interesting phenomenon. It really is. And, and it's not the first time that, that a symbol has become a fad. And, and it goes for a, a brief period, and then suddenly it just, without any explanation, disappears as completely as if it never occurred. Uh, in fact, you can see samples if you look very carefully. If you, if you look around you, if you look at buildings as you walk along the street, and you, you see amid the rubble of graffiti and stuff, you see graffiti is a current fad. I mean, everybody writing his name on everything, see? And that will pass. That, that, that will pass, just like all other fads. In a few months from now, all the, all the markers that guys bought to, to, to mark stuff up, and uh, that'll slowly disappear. But the evidences of their work will remain for a while. And so if you look down among the rubble of stuff on buildings, you will find... Uh, samples of earlier fads. Now that little round face with the smiling, leering thing is a is a kind of commercial graffiti. It it uh, it, it it's sort of universal. You, you, he's right. You see it on almost everything. You see it on back of Volkswagens. You see it on on the, <laughs> you see it on guys on the top of their head on bicycles and on underwear and you know God knows what. Well, the other day. I'm sitting in, in, the, in the subway, see, this old subway. You know, some of the subway cars in, in New York are like you know, a thousand years old. Some of these cars must have carried Diamond Jim Brady. You know, we couldn't get a cab so, or a handsome cab or whatever it is he took. He took the subway there, same car, you know. These ancient kind of rattling, I got go on. And I'm sitting there, and all this graffiti all over the place. You can't, just millions of, of uh, samples of it there. And I'll be there, right in the middle of it all, I see real faint an example of an ancient bit of graffiti that was a big fad maybe 12,000 years ago do you remember when all over everything this little character was drawn that's, that was looking over the top of a wall with two eyes and the nose hanging down and you could see these two hands hanging on the top of the wall do you remember that that character I don't recall, I mean, what was it called or anything? None of these things seem to have any names, actually. Uh, this smiling face has no name, but there was, a, for a while, or everywhere you looked, you saw that face drawn. You recall that face? You've seen it. And it, had, it usually had a little, one hair sticking up, like a curly hair out of the top of the head. That's right. It was, it, was, it was cut off at the nose. The character was looking over what appeared to be a fence or something. And you just saw these two eyes and a round head and a big nose hanging down. And it, it had a, a hair sticking out of the top of its head. And usually you saw two, uh, two hands. Now that, that was on everything. Uh, and, and, and that was very much the same kind of thing. And I'm sure that, that, uh, that it, had there been sharp, uh, sharp, uh, Merchandises at the time, they would have brought out T-shirts that had that, and they would have brought out underwear and and uh, notebooks and stickers you could buy and buttons and the whole jazz. But that was before the button uh, T-shirt uh, craze, which is still with us very much. <laughs> and 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 then then there was a, you know they, they, these things go through definite phases. They, they they go through like phases of the moon, and they will disappear as completely. Uh, as if they had never existed, suddenly it'll just, pam, it's all over. 
Now, like about three or four years ago, now there was another one like this. Now, what we're really talking about, now, I suppose, are fads. But are they fads, really? See, a fad is something that I think is 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 much shorter in duration. The fad lasts, you know, just about a couple of weeks and it's gone. And But these things seem to persist for a while, and almost on a worldwide level. They persist for, for uh, oh, maybe a couple of years, and then they gradually decline and disappear. For example, do you remember uh, a couple of years ago when... when uh, you know, for no no given reason, that just suddenly popped out of the woodwork. Uh, people people uh, began to put flowers all over everything. Everything had flowers. Yeah, you stick you stick flowers on the back of your car. You, these are paper things. You stick, and then it disappeared. Now now that's that's all over. It's gone. Uh, and, and, and it just quietly sank into the woodwork, and yet you can see a few tattered uh, remnants of it. You know, as you, as you go along, you see you see a, a car uh, of maybe five or six years old, and you'll just see a, a tattered remnant of a, of a daisy on the back of it. <laughs> you can't get it off anymore. You see it, it, it destroyed the paint there, and there it is. It's still hanging there. And these, these, uh, these things just uh, go all over the world. Now, do you recall a few years back now, 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 listen carefully to this and see if you remember this. A couple of years ago, you could hardly open your mail. Uh, every, every week or so, you would get this letter that says, Do not break the chain. This lucky letter. <laughs> it says, um, uh, General uh, uh, L.D. Fignuton got over $20,000 as the result of, uh, of this letter. And uh, a housewife in Elyria, Ohio... Mrs. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the character. Uh, Joe is drawing it in there. Yeah, that's the one. No, I don't think that was the name. No, I, I, that's not it at all. Kilgore? Kilroy? Is that what it is? Okay, I don't know. Is that what... It, it had a name, huh? Well... <laughs> So, so, do you recall those letters, though? For, for a while, they were like a plague. About every couple of days, you'd get, you'd get these things in the mail. It says, don't break the chain. And then it says, add your name to the bottom of the list and send this letter to ten friends. And this, this was just, you know, persisted. I wonder who the hell sent those letters out. Who, who uh, you know, who, who did this stuff? But it was a lot, apparently it was a lot of work because these letters were not uh, mimeographed. They were all carefully typewritten, you know, the whole thing, and you could see the names down there. And it's a, and the names were incredible on them. You know, you'd see this list of names. They had names like uh, Charles de Call, uh, all these very official names, Charlton uh, uh, Heston, uh, all the way to Cecil B. DeMille, the Pope. You know, all these different names were on this list of people who had not broken a chain, and it continued on and sent out these letters. Now that 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 covered the world apparently. Uh, and and nobody quite knows where it started. Who you know who did it? Who was involved in it? And that's it. It quietly disappeared. And I think that these faces that we see all over the place now are in a, in another couple of months are going to be as as archaic as uh, you know as as uh, do you remember do you remember for a while the love bead thing? Uh, the love bead craze. The, that was that was just last summer. I mean, that was. Uh, you mean you don't remember it yet? They were so uh, guys had big strings of beads all around their neck. The whole business of love beads was a big scene. Now, 
that that uh, I suppose you could call these fads. But but fads, uh, I, I don't know whether this face could be called a fad or whether it could be called something else. I don't know. We need a new word uh, because a fad is something people do consciously. Really, you know, it, it's it's a you see. Uh, you see something, you say, oh, gee, wouldn't it be groovy to have that? And you rush out and buy it. Like the, the skateboard fad. Now, that's a classic example of a fad as opposed to this, uh, you know, this this uh, face thing. But the skateboard thing was so big that at one time, practically every store, and they even had official skateboards. You remember all that business of official skateboards? And the skateboard teams appeared, and they were doing, they had the competitions and contests. Uh, they were. Even, I remember on TV, the official skateboard world championship team appeared on television. They were on one of the, the talk shows, and they did all their skateboard stuff, and up and down they went, you know, and slid around. They did formations, and uh, they even had movies. You saw that stuff. The skateboard, where are these skateboard people? They, they've disappeared, you know, like the breeze. They're gone. But uh, the face, this face thing... Uh, will pop up. Uh, I'm sure that that 500 years from now, a thousand years from now, guys are going to be digging around in the rubble of our time, and they'll come across millions of these faces everywhere on buttons, on on old tattered shirts uh, that you can buy mugs with them on, you know, glasses, and that uh, it, a lot of stuff is very permanent. You can buy. Uh, in fact, I saw a, a, a collection of plastic glasses. Now, plastic is going to last a long time. You know this. This uh, regular plastic, heat-proof plastic. Here's that face leering out at you. Well, now these things are allowed to last a thousand years. You know, plastic does. Well, plastic does not dissolve like granite. <laughs> oh no, it doesn't. And, and all a guy has to do is be out fishing one day and drop a couple of these glasses in the lake. It'll sink in the mud. And a thousand years from now, somebody will be digging in that mud. You know where there used to be a lake, and they'll dig along, and up will come this glass with that idiotic face grinning at him. And uh, there will be a whole, uh, there will be a whole philosophy of, of archaeology based on that smiling face. They say must be, it has to be some kind of a religious symbol, uh, due to the fact it was so widespread. <laughs> the smiling face, and 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 if if uh, if if an archaeologist of the year thir let's say three thousand two hundred and seventy-two uh, comes back, and he is going to interview one of us. He wants to find out what that smiling face was about. That's one of the great questions they're going to want to ask because there are millions of them. You know, they'll, they'll uncover them every place in the world. And he's going to say, "You, sir, uh, it is a great privilege to talk to a man of the ancient past. You say, yep, yep, I'm here. Glad to talk to you. What can I do for you? He says, well, sir, the burning question that we uh, archaeologists have to ask is... The meaning of the mystic smiling face. In fact, we call you the smiling face race, the race of the smiling faces. As a matter of fact, you know that many uh, ancient tribes are called a name that refers to a piece of art object that's found in their in their uh, in the vicinity where they live. See, he says we call you the race of the smiling face. Now, could you tell us, for the purpose of of, uh, of uh, archaeological? Uh, Knowledge and to further the knowledge of, of mankind of his own species, could you please tell us what that smiling face really meant in your time? Well, uh, gee, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, all I know is I had a sweatshirt and I, <laughs> I bought a little sticker I put it in the back of the VW and I walked around. I had a pair of glasses that had the little smiling face on it, but uh, gee, I, 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 I don't know what it meant. What? You don't mean. 
You don't mean to tell me that you don't know what it meant? Well, great Scott, I mean, uh, there are there are whole schools of uh, archaeological investigation based on that on that smiling face. You mean you don't know what it means? Hmm. Well, no, actually, you know, it's just kind of fun. I, I went out and I bought that yo-yo. I had a yo-yo with a smiling face on it, and I, uh, I, uh, he says, a yo-yo? What is a yo-yo? Well, I, it's a little round thing. The string goes up and down. I, I used to... I used to play with it. I'd go, uh, this, go up and down a string, see? And, uh, at the time, I uh, had this smiling face. I thought it was kind of great. And I had a button. I, yeah, I remember a big button. I had a button that light up. So I, I, I'd hold it up at the ball game. Went, to, went out to Shea Stadium. He says, ball game? Ball game? Shea Stadium? What's that? Says, well, uh, well, I can't explain that either. I mean, you know, you go out to these guys that hit this thing around with a stick. And, uh, and uh, yeah, there was a guy named Cranepool, I remember. He used to be out there. He says, uh, yeah, he's named Crankpool, and uh, we used to have these banners that said, Go Mets, Go Mets, Go Mets. Yeah, go, go Mets. Uh, 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 a dismal seepage, Long Island loves the Mets. You say, You love the Mets? Well, what were the Mets? Well, well and a bunch of guys that would hit this thing around. You know, they, they, hit, the, they, they hit this thing back and forth, and they'd throw it back and forth and catch it. And so, well, it's uh, been very illuminating talking to you, sir, from your century. It's. Uh, been very illuminating. I've learned a great deal. Uh, and by George, certainly, I'll, I'll write a paper on this. Of course, nobody will believe it that <laughs> you didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, nobody. But thank you very much, sir. Well, who is right? Any time you drop by, I'll straighten you out on them things. Yeah. Stay tuned for Lester Smith and the News. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.